Hi, I'm Dave. And I'm Paul. And we're going to challenge you to transform your financial future through the principles of the most profitable business in the world, banking. We believe everyone should be involved in two businesses, the business that you're in and the banking business. Everyday people can replicate what bankers have been doing for centuries to leverage capital and build wealth through private lending. Join us as we uncover the truths about money, expose lies and myths, and flip conventional financial advice on its head. Here we go. Well, hey, welcome back. Hey, Paul, how was uh, Jamaica Mountain? Man, it was great. We were down there, you know, celebrating my in-laws' 50th wedding anniversary, renewing their vows and stuff. And it was just great to great to be with the family and take some time off from work and get some sun. It was great. We scuba dove and it was awesome. Scuba dove? Is that scuba how you say dove. it? Scuba dove. Scuba dive. Well, we did some scuba diving. Yeah. But it was only once. So, okay. we, I don't know. <laughs> well, that's cool. Was, yeah. I've never been. I'm going to Florida next week for spring break. Uh, get out of Minnesota, get some sun. Get, you get going to the energy. house? No, we did that last year. That was awesome. Uh, but no, we're going to the east side, the east coast, uh, Fort Lauderdale area. Nice. So, yeah. Well, all right, man. We got a lot to talk about. So this is an episode we've been wanting to put together for for a while now, and we decided, you know, let's do it now because it's a very important episode, especially for our, our military brothers and sisters. And this is going to be predominantly focused for military people. However, um, there are going to be some some good things to to glean and some parallels to a uh, civilian as well, maybe approaching or nearing retirement. But this is especially for our military brothers and sisters, and we're going to talk about you know the things that this show is all about, which is life insurance and how to provide for yourself, how to create that wealth. And we'll talk about some different options that military personnel have when they near retirement and when they do retire and, and kind of compare those with, hey, let's make sure we're asking all the right questions and, and look at the other options that are available out there. So why don't we start with our quick backgrounds? Maybe not everybody knows. So Paul, why don't you go ahead and tell us what's, what's your background? Sure. Yeah, I've been in the Army for almost 20 years. The wife and I will hit 20 years in May. I'm an aviation Army aviation officer by trade. I flew Apaches for about 16 years from 2003 to 2018. And now I'm an IG working here in the in the DC area. My wife's an army nurse, so we're a military family. Come from a military family. But yeah, been all over the place. Been to Korea, been to Iraq, Afghanistan, Jordan, Latvia, Poland, Germany, uh, just all over the place. And then the States. I was in Texas a lot. So I like like Texas. I was at Fort Hood and Fort Bliss for a long time. And then um, now Fort Knox and then now you know, DC. So yeah, done a little bit of everything and yeah, looking forward to hanging up my boots though here in a couple of years and, and looking to what's what's next. Stop yeah. stop moving really. I'm looking forward to like move, living in one place for the rest of my life. That's very nice and it's very underrated. Great. Thanks for that. I also started my military career in 2003. Flew A-10s for the Air Force until about 2012, then did a two-year stint as an air liaison officer in the Army, which is where I met you while we were both deployed to Afghanistan together. Sat next to each other for about six months in the planning cell. And then I got out completely in 2014. A couple of years later, decided to start my own business, become self-employed, and I needed health insurance. And frankly, that's that's the reason that I decided to get back in through the Air National Guard here in Minneapolis, St. Paul. But I, I love it. I love wearing the uniform once a month. I'm glad I don't do it 20 days a month. You know, two to three days a month is perfect for me. I don't like to shave anymore. But I've got, you know, a couple years left before I hit my 20. So this is something that is on both of our minds is retirement. So as we're in the military, of course, we all have what's called SGLI, Service Members Group Life Insurance or Soldier Group Life Insurance, uh, 400,000 of coverage, which sounds like a lot when you're a young lieutenant, you know, newly married, maybe no kids and all that. But as you get older, you get a lot more assets and you get 
a larger family and a lot more people depending on you, 400,000 is not very much. So I think everybody listening who's in the military understands the SGLI. It's just term life insurance that when you leave the military, it, it leaves also. You don't have it anymore, right? So, what, what what are some of the options after military when it comes to life insurance? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of options, right? You can go the private route, like we have, right, and have have adequate. We we prefer dividend paying whole life insurance in force upon retirement from the army, and that's what I've been advocating for all my all the people in my own network. You could also do term coverage, right, which covers you just like your SGLI, right? It covers you for a period of time, uh, 10, 20, 30 year term, generally speaking. Military members have an option of kind of converting their SGLI into something called Veterans Group Life Insurance, which is VGLI. That is, while you're young, not a terrible option. It's actually relatively cheap and various you know coverage amounts. However, upon that, you know what the government would call retirement age when you get into your 60s, the premiums on those, Dave, absolutely skyrocket. Mm. When you look at, if you have a line, that, you know, the premiums are like this, it it does this, you know, it's, you're pulling and, back. And why this. would that be? Because you're, you're getting closer to death. That's why. Right. The risk, <laughs> the risk of your dying, works. that's right. The risk of your dying increases every year you get older, right? You're one year closer to what they call, you know, natural death. So yeah, those premiums are going to skyrocket. And it works very similarly to, to universal life insurance, right? Because universal life is built on annual renewable term, not an appropriate product for infinite banking. So yeah, those premiums, guess what? You're you're going to end up having no insurance if you go the VGLI route because nobody's writing that check, Dave. No one's going to write that check for that premium. Right. Good point. So when you go, you start your retirement paperwork and the, the military is going to make you go through TAPS. Is that what it's still called? Yeah, we we call it SFL tap. I think in in the, in the army soldier okay. for life. Um, anyway, okay. So yeah, they make you, you go through this program. Yeah, and, and it's a great thing that they make you do to consider all these retirement options and what are your benefits, you know, and then what are your prospects on the outside joining the the real world, so to speak. And one of the things they always bring up and they they put in front of you and and show you what's called the survivor benefit plan and. If anybody's in the retirement age bracket or going through that right now, you know what SBP is. And in general, SBP is like an annuity for your surviving spouse should you predecease them, right? And what that does is because when you retire after 20 years at least of military service, you get that active duty retirement pay. And when you're in the in the guard, I'll hit my retirement pension will start when I'm 59, 59 and a half, something like that. And I start getting that pension. Well, if I start getting that pension and then I die, that pension stops. Stops. So my surviving spouse, who's been depending on that, maybe we've both been depending on that, it stops for her as well. Now, the survivor benefit plan offers you, you can pay into it every single month during retirement, what up to six and a half percent of your chosen base amount that you you decide on. And if you predecease your spouse, your spouse will continue to receive roughly half of what you were receiving in retirement. So I think we did the math, Paul. So why don't you break that down for us? What is what does that really equal? Yeah, so I'm gonna use my current rank. I'm a lieutenant colonel. I'll retire as a lieutenant colonel. If I were to retire at 20 years, we were in the we pulled these numbers today. I should say Dave pulled these numbers today. He's so conscientious. So at six and a half percent of your of your of your pension for a lieutenant colonel at 20 years, you know, it's roughly forty nine hundred a month in retirement that you'd be getting in pension. 
your cost for your SBP program, if you wanted the max benefit for your surviving spouse, would be $318 a month or $3,822 a year. Upon your death, if you predecease your surviving spouse, your spouse will get roughly $2,695 a month, $2,695 a month upon your death. Now, something for perspective, is that lifestyle you're living right now with, with that Lieutenant Colonel pay and the BAH and all that stuff is $26.95, an adequate amount of money to sustain life. Right. Absolutely not. That comes out to roughly probably 20 to 25% of, of your gross pay right now. So, and, and we can... Uh, you can you can relate this to you know any rank you know anybody retiring maybe an enlisted retiree who's making maybe fifty to sixty percent of what that O five would be making roughly sure. in retirement. So now you know you just take what you're making at uh, at retirement age on active duty and divide it by five, and that's approximately what that payout will be for your surviving spouse, right? So you know what what else do you have in place? You know, because that SBP is not going to, it provides something, right? Depending on your rank, it might be a car payment, it might be a house payment and uh, and help out with the kid's college tuition or something like that. Um, but you're going to have to have income coming in from somewhere else. So, yep. you know, what are those other options and where is that income coming from? And we're going to have a link in the show notes where you can go read about it from the source. And there's even a blurb in there, Dave, right? That says, hey, basically this this may not be enough for you to survive on, essentially you think? it's telling you. And it's kind of a foot stomp, right? It's, it's telling you, hey, this this will be a great supplement. You know, it's guaranteed. It's not, it'll come in every month. And mm-hmm. that, the peace of mind and the, and the guarantee is, is definitely nice, right? There, that has value for sure. However, let's face it. It's not designed kind of like social security, right? It's not designed to live off. It's designed to supplement. So that's kind of the overall point, folks, that we're trying to make. Right. And I, I think that holds true for just your retirement pension in the first place. That's not going to be enough to live off of with any any style of uh, standard of living that you're accustomed to. You will not be able to live off that you know, 50% of your base pay right now going forward. So, well, cool. Yeah. So we will have some notes in there, some links so you guys can read up on that. And it, just something to keep in mind. Make sure you're asking the right questions and you're 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 looking at it from every possible angle, not just taking you know the the standard line that's fed to you during the retirement taps program you have to go through. People have the best intentions when they're talking to you about it, but just realize you got to have something else in place. So that's kind of where we come in and some things that we've done for ourselves and several of our clients because we have a lot of military clients between the two of us, right? That's just our network. So we, you know, Paul and I have multiple multiple specially designed whole life insurance policies, you know, using the infinite banking concept to to not only provide that death benefit and that life insurance when we do retire from this earth uh, so that our family is taken care of and, you know, every our family is going to be multimillionaires when we die. And not only that, but building another asset that we can use today while we're alive. Now, I've got a great case study on one of my clients who he contacted me a couple years ago. He's about three or four years out from retirement. He's an Air Force pilot. So he gets that you know $30,000 bonus every year. Something like, I think he nets like 27,000 a year in is that bonus. Is it 30 now? I thought it used to it be It might 25. be 35, man. They were throwing wow. 25 at me when I, yeah. when I was... Uh, when it was available for me and I, I turned it down. The, the story is like that supposedly army guys are supposed to get that too. It's like written into the written into law, but we don't get that. 
<laughs> well, you know, it, it all comes down to, you know, how economy operates and how, what is your replacement cost as an army officer? It must be far less than the uh, replacement cost of an Air Force pilot. Just saying. I don't know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it very well may be. It very well may be. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's needs. It's, it's supply and demand. Right now, a huge demand for, for Air Force pilots. And guess what? Those pilots can, can retire, walk across the street, get hired by Delta, United, Southwest, American, and start making bank and, and have a wonderful lifestyle, really, living at home in the same place, making a lot more money and uh, not putting up with anything else. Just fly. That's all you do. So anyway, where was I with that? So my client, he had a goal. He wanted... When he retires at 20 years, he wants $100,000 of cash available to make that transition happen. You know, should he go an extended period of time without a job? He doesn't want to put his family in any kind of situation where, you know, they're not financially secure. So we put a plan in place where he took, and we'll get into bonuses here. He took his flying bonus and instead of spending it on a new car or a Disney vacation uh, or a new fun toy every single year and just blowing it, he funds an annual premium for his specially designed whole life policy that is building up very rapidly and will absolutely guarantee that he has six figures of capital available when he retires to do that transition or whatever he maybe wants to start a business. And not only that, it, it also equates to about half of his pension. So now he's already got a plan. He's got those pension dollars marked for a job. And that job is not going to be to live off of that pension. Too many, I think too many guys try to live off that pension. And it's like, man, that is, that's for retirement. You're still in your prime earning and production years. You need to go out and get your market value. So that's what his plan is. So he's got somewhere to put that pension every single month and only half of it. But if he wants to put all of it, we'll just start another policy for him. So I thought that was a great one that I like to replicate with with clients. And, and there's been more than one of those who decided to do the same the same thing. Such a brilliant thing to do. Yeah, I love that, man. I I've got a I've got an Air Force buddy from college up in Alaska that is a is a great client. In fact, we're we're doing a policy on on his wife right now. But yeah, he puts that entire bonus and a little bit more in in premium every year because he gets it, right? He understands that he has a need for death benefit, he's got little kids, and that he has a need for for capital as well as uh, as the years tick by. So yeah, powerful. But the point you made about I think too many military officers and and Everyone that retires from the military, doesn't matter what, what their rank is, but they, they use that pension to supplement their next job's income. So they take less salary in their follow-on civilian job. And I just think that's a huge mistake because you have value, right? You have 20 years plus of leadership experience, you know, combat experience, you know, whatever your experiences are, managerial. And that has, that has a lot of value. Uh, so don't undercut yourself in in your next next job search. I don't even count my like like your client. Our pensions are already earmarked for premium every year. Yeah, internal income, you know, pensions premium. Not going to touch it ever. Yep. So yeah, super. That's awesome. And it should have no bearing on how much you make uh, as a civilian. <clears throat> there are companies out there that will try to short you. That will say, well, we know this guy's making 50 grand a year, so we only need to pay him 100 to maintain the lifestyle he had in the army. No, forget that, man. That 50 grand, you earn that. You earn that with blood, sweat, tears, and a whole lot more. That is yours, and that's for nobody else to leverage but you. So guys and gals really need to understand their value. And like you said, the the leadership, your leadership experience is the number one thing companies are looking for because these Corporate companies cannot teach leadership to their people. They can teach you. I mean, I went to a medical device company as a quality and compliance program manager. No experience in medical device, but they wanted me for my leadership. You know, That's they right. could teach me all the rest. 
right? Because let's face it, look, you know, your four-year undergrad or even master's program folks, they're not being taught leadership in college now. They're being taught, well, I'm not really sure what they're being taught, but Keynesian economics and some other you know, crap. Yeah. And how to, how to become offended and, and go to a safe room, <laughs> how to find a safe room. The exits are here and here. Your safe room's over there if somebody offends you. Yeah. Yeah. Some generation. Um, well, how else can people fund a premium? So, you know, pilots get that bonus in the Air Force. What other kind of bonuses or extra pay can people put towards this? Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's all kinds of bonus. Medical, your medical professionals and all the services get get big bonuses. Nurses, doctors, those types of folks get get bonuses as well. There's, you know, I've discovered this, Dave. I have a lot of clients, military clients that, you know, kind of gave the middle finger to the thrift savings plan. You know, not nothing against it but the 401k type plan, and we're just stacking capital and savings accounts. And I was like, well, hey, good for you. You maintain control of that capital, but let's put it in a place that's going to be a little bit more, well, a lot more beneficial to you than a savings account, right? Because right. savings accounts have, let's face it, they have no value, right? They don't pay any interest. They have it. negative value. Yeah, they have negative, literally negative value, right? Yeah. And then the banks are taking that lent money and lending it out to you and me, right? And, and charging us an arm and a leg for it. So, yeah. Well, they're not lending it out to you and me because we have capital well, no. from our own banks. But yeah, I know what you mean. But you and me yeah. as like a, you know. Yeah, exactly. Audience, right? Us, us Americans. Americans. Right. Right. Yeah. What so, about deployments? I know uh, when I was working on an army post for two years, I saw a lot of Mustangs, a lot of Dodge Challengers and a lot of Ford Raptors driven by Sergeant Snuffy and, you know, private. Oh, they love, they love to do Paul. that. You got to go buy a WRX or a, or an Evo or a, an Audi or, you know, whatever, whatever you're going to go. My Mustang, fairly common. Of course, yeah. yes. The money leaves, leaves their hand as soon as they get it. Right. That's, yeah. And it's, it's a shame. But yeah. So if there were, if there were older, the, the older generations who've been around a while, if they could just impress on these younger kids, you know, play it smart, man. Put that money away, sacrifice a little bit. Don't leave your your local girlfriend and general power of attorney when you deploy. Like, keep that money under your control. Put it somewhere smart, and man, these guys would be—they'd be—they'd be balling by the time they hit retirement. No question. And what Dave's talking about, folks, right? When we talked about it on past episodes, is when you put that money in a place that you control, i.e., dividend-paying whole life insurance. You one still have access to the cash. And two, you never interrupt compounding even when you use that cash. So over time, it just keeps keep stacking and stacking. Right. So, yep. Yeah, Un- it's have- the, the only place you can get true uninterrupted compound growth that I'm I'm aware of. Right. No, I mean, I can't think of another one either. There might be one out there, but yeah, not like this. Not that's private. That's for sure. Right. Um, another place where, where I ended up saving a lot of money. You said you lived overseas and you traveled all over. I lived in Korea for one year and Germany for three years. And I stacked a lot of cash away in the bank. I think when I came home from Germany, I had <clears throat> maybe seventy dollars or $80,000 because of COLA, the cost of right. living allowance. It was like an extra... $1,000 a month, at least, uh, that I wouldn't have been receiving stateside. And that's supposed to make up for, you know, the, the higher costs of everything in Europe and sure, the and VAT, all that. But if you tax. shop on base, yeah, but if you, and you can that's get right. out of the VAT, if you, yep. you know, you don't have to pay that VAT. If you have the proper documentation, you get fuel coupons. So you don't have to pay Europe, European prices for fuel shop at the commissary and all that, uh, tax free. So you can bank a lot of money. That's right. So, yeah, but most, what do most people do when they come back from Germany? Well, 
Yeah, they, they're going to buy that. They're going to ship that BMW. They're going to buy a BMW, an Audi, or a Mercedes. They're going to exactly. drive it over there for a week, and then they're going to ship it overseas, pick yep. it up in Atlanta. And, you know, I got my new car, and I got it cheap. But, yeah, you're right. Yeah. They're going to spend that money. Or they're spending it on travel. Yeah, which, you know, at which least travel, at least those memories appreciate that, sure. that BMW that they buy because, well, I can't pass it up because I'm saving so much money because you actually get some kind of, you know, tax that you don't pay the taxes or something on it over there. That depreciates at least the travel those memories appreciate so yeah but you're right you're right and there's ways to travel cheaper uh, you know I, I think i slept my my oldest son he was the only baby we had at the time and he slept in a suitcase on the floor next to the bed because those hotels in europe are tiny yeah yeah. Tiny. yeah yeah no question yeah yeah but we get off topic so you know, for those military personnel who think, you know, I feel like a lot of people, okay, actually, let me make this point. This just came to mind. So I had a commander, probably my favorite commander during my time, um, flying the A-10, you know, deployed with him. And I'm still really good friends with him today. We talk, you know, catch up every couple months. Uh, he once told me, you always got to have a go to hell fund. Now, what does that mean? Even in the military, if the last two years have taught us anything, you need to have a go to hell fund. So you can tell your boss, your employer, whoever it is that, that is trying to make you do something you don't want to do. You can say go to hell because I've got capital that I can survive on while I make a transition to go do something else. It allows you to make decisions from a position of strength. Okay. And man, the last two years have totally proven that where so many people, because they weren't set up, like your financial house is so important because they didn't have that financial security in place already. They were strong armed into doing things that a lot of them didn't want to do. And you know, it's a yeah, sad I know, thing. I know what you're talking about too. Yeah. Yeah. And some of them are still fighting. I'm, I'm talking to a guy who uh, he's actually, he's being forced to retire. Thankfully he's at that retirement um, period where, where he can, um, but great guy. Fantastic officer, wonderful pilot, um, a huge Air Force asset, but because he didn't want to do something that they they said he had to do, he's like, "I'm good. We'll see you later." You know, so I think he's I, set himself up well. I think that's powerful, and that's kind of how I've, Tammy and I have been treating this the last couple of years as we've gone from you know being the traditional person piling money in TSP and piling money into IRAs. Now I'm piling money into our dividend-paying whole life insurance contracts, six of them now. And guess what? As, as retirement looms, having access to multiple six figures of cash to build that retirement home, to maybe just take a few months off from, you know, the next job or something to, you know, travel around the country, it it puts you in a totally different position, like you said, a position of strength. Because let's face it, we both know people that are like, hey, I'm just sticking around. I get, I've hit my 20. I'm sticking around to pad that retirement because mm -hmm. they don't have all their money's in TSP, all their money's in an IRA, all their money's somewhere separated from their, their control without penalty. So they don't really have any other options. So they just keep padding that retirement. Like, oh, look, if I stay for 28 years, my retirement will be this. And that's, hey, to each his own. I'm not, I'm not trying to disparage anybody, even though it kind of just sounded like I did, but I have very strong opinions about this. It makes zero economic sense if you're going to retire, let's say as a lieutenant colonel, sergeant first class, master sergeant, whatever, to do it to do a day over 20 years. Unless you're, you're if you enjoy it, you know, the intangibles, you enjoy the service, and, and that, that's not what yeah. I'm talking about. I'm talking about economically speaking, from a numbers perspective, it makes no sense to do one day over 20. And of course, I'm going to end up with 22 and change. Fine, doesn't matter. But I'm not doing it to pad my retirement. I'm doing it because I because I have to. Right? Does, does that make sense? Well, and why don't you explain why it does not make makes sense. Right. So it's kind of like the social security debate. Do I take it at 62 or do I take it at, you know, 70 or whatever? So time value of money, right? Yep. If you start drawing that that pension 
now, right? At year 20, you retire, you start drawing the pension the next month, right? That money that you're drawing now has a lot more value now than not drawing it for another eight years or six years or four years. Right. On top of that, you're going to have a, unless you're, you've done extremely, extremely well and you've got millions of dollars saved up after a 20 year career, which most people don't, getting that second income from your now civilian job, your second career from age, let's say 42 to age 62 or whatever, getting that money coming in now, right, with your pension has enormous value, way more value than just getting a few more percentage points on that pension. You know, you get whatever, another two and a half percent a year or whatever it is yeah. um, for every year over 20. So it, just not just economically not worth it um, unless you have different goals. And that's not just from an economic perspective. Yep. You're right. You're right. In fact, a lot of pilots in the Air Force, uh, they, they understand that because they know like at 20 years, I'm out. I'm going to go fly for the airlines because guess what? I could stay for another three or four or five years in the Air Force and pad my retirement. But that's three, four, five years of seniority they're losing out on in the airlines. And frankly, a lot more money out there. So yeah, you know, yeah, not know. everybody has that opportunity. I get it, but yeah. everybody is employable on the outside. Let's just say that no everybody question. is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you brought up TSP and when people are approaching retirement, what are some, some, some options that people have with that TSP? Well, yeah. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Yeah. Tell us. Just be, because, because I, because I have some of this knowledge. And so several years ago, 2017 just uh, started move my money from one IRA custodian, right, or whatever, into a self-directed IRA custodian, right. So some people you can you can Google this. People will leave some show notes about the self-directed IRA. So what a self-directed IRA allows you to do, right, is control kind of where that retirement account's qualified money is 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 put, right. You know, private lending, real estate, whatever. So when you retire from the military, you can roll your TSP. It's called a rollover, right? You can roll over your TSP. There's no penalties. There's no taxes involved. It goes from one custodian, the TSP, which is BlackRock, by the way, into mm. a self-directed custodian. And there's there's several of them in the United States that, that do this. So you can take that money from the TSP, roll it over penalty-free into your self-directed IRA account. Traditional TSP money becomes traditional IRA money. TSP becomes Roth IRA money, right? And then you can direct those funds into maybe a real estate. You know, you want There's a, a rental property you want to buy or whatever but you can use those funds you've built up in the TSP to invest in other in other things right right through private lending is really what you're talking about which is what you and I do pretty much exclusively yeah. is with our with our wealth building capital is private lending. I mean, you could you could purchase real estate outright, so that'd be investing, or you can lend to people like we do. Yep, know? and that's oh. what I did, right? I played bank yep. with you. I gave my first private loan to, to you and Steve, and you know, that was in end of 2017 or well, beginning of yeah. 2017, actually, and, and haven't looked and you, back since. And you probably wouldn't make that kind of loan again today, right? Because that was, there was nothing backing that up except me and me and Steven, that was an unsecured loan. It was. Um, yeah, so yeah. a lot riskier, but now you're actually making better returns. Really uh, risky on 12%. <laughs> Did I pay you 12? <laughs> I thought it was only 10. No, yeah, it but 12. yeah, it was, and you're making, you know, we're both making much better returns than that now on our private lending with a lot of security, collateral, you know, and risk mitigation pieces in yeah. place, right? So. Yep. I have a yeah. lien on a property right on two properties right now for a private loan that I just did last week. Repeat, repeat customer. It's my third private loan to him. So yeah, nice. And it's it's a good it's a good return. Yeah, yeah. Because when you have capital, opportunity will find you. Right? Can't harp on that enough. It is. Nope. And until you're doing it, Dave. Though not to get sidetracked, but until you're doing that, like that 
It's so true. I, I yeah, it's yeah, it, it's theoretical until you start doing it. And you're like, wow, this that's that's a legitimate statement, and there's nothing closer to the truth than that statement. It, it right. truly is. So yep. all you need is the right network, and that could be one person. Yep. Who? Who? Not how? Just read that book. So find out who's doing this. Who knows what you want to know, and uh, and make contact with them and and get going. So cool. We're we're happy to be anybody's who when they want to learn more about. You know, infinite banking, private lending, anything like that. Yeah. So I think uh, I think we covered a lot today. Uh, I hope this has been really helpful for our military brothers and sisters. God bless you all. I keep doing the good work. Stay safe. And uh, you got any other closing words, Paul? I don't have any parting shots. You know, I'm not going to say no. I think you know, these are these are the folks who we really we we owe we owe a lot to. We want to take care of them. You know, we are them. Our friends are them. Families have been them. So you know, it's an important population to to take to take care of. And again, don't be afraid to explore alternate alternate sources of knowledge, right? Infinite banking, private lending, the self-directed IRA, if you have IRA money. These, these are all things that, these are all tools for your kit bag that will enhance for sure what you can do with your with your capital. Perfect. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And we will uh, we'll catch you next week. Cheers. See you, Dave. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you'd like to have a conversation with us to see how you can become your own banker, or if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to tackle on a future episode, please send us an email to David and Paul at theibcguys.com. And subscribe and leave us a review if you're on Apple. Follow and leave us a five-star review if you're on Spotify.